So today we are super excited uh, as we uh, as the big finale for church at uh, or summer at Living Word. We have uh, the one and only Dan Nelson is here this morning. Everybody excited about Dan? Dan and his wife have been friends of this ministry for decades. That says nothing about our age. It just says something about how good friends we are. And uh, so Dan has um, is actually. Um, made his living for decades uh, as a freelance illustrator. He is the artist and the designer behind our entire children's wing, everybody. Is that cool or what? So um, so as you walk through those, he's going to talk a little bit, hopefully, uh, about what went into uh, the, all of that because it's more than just paint and concrete and styrofoam. And, uh, but he and his apprentice Luke have done all of that. And it was just a God thing when we were, we had it in our heart to, Melissa and I had it, had it in our heart and Pastor Jody and a lot of the other staff had it in our heart to do something amazing back there. And, uh, and God knew who it was that we needed to do something amazing, but also that was spirit filled. And, uh, so hopefully he will talk a little bit about that, um, he has won competitions and everything from street painting to sand sculpture. I remember him doing these big 10 by or 8 by 10 huge murals downtown Raleigh at, at parks and in the street. Um, he, he has even painted with the New York, I'm sorry, New York, North Carolina Symphony here. And the New York Symphony, okay, prophetically, he's going to. It actually has, um, I was, I was. I was checking out Dan online, which you should do. I mean, some his art is absolutely amazing. But one person said this about him. He said, if you combine three parts painter, two and a half parts musician, with a pound, uh, with a pound or two of inventor, and I would add, and a helping teaspoon of worshiper, uh, you just might come up with Dan Nelson. And I think that is so true. Art adventurer extraordinaire. And uh, Dan, uh, as you will discover, Dan has a hard time painting inside the lines. He has a hard time following the rules, but, uh, but God uses him uh, because of that. We all have our niche, and, and this is his. And so would you stand and welcome to the platform for, uh, with me, Dan Nelson. Thank you, brother. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, boy. Introductions are bad. Now you got something to live up to. Well, hey, my name's Dan. And uh, yeah, thank you for letting me paint on your walls for the last 10 months. When I was a kid, I got in trouble for painting on the walls. <laughs> now sometimes I get paid to do it. Um, and I, let me go. I, I feel like I need to say something about this painting. First of all, I, I mentioned to Pastor Micah and Melissa before we came out to the first service, I said, I have no idea what I'm going to paint. I start out painting in tongues and then pray for an interpretation. <laughs> so when they were starting their second song, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, paint warriors on horses. And I went, you got to be kidding. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit said, are you chicken? <laughs> and I said, heck yeah. <laughs> so any problems with take it up with Jesus. <laughs> and as you can see, so I, 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 
people ask me all the time, do you paint prophetically? What they really mean is, do, do I do something like this? Do I paint in church and paint, you know, Lion of Judah and, you know, stuff like this? And my answer is every, and if Luke, my apprentice assistant were here who helped me to, every painting I do is prophetic. And I, that's, I've discovered that to a scary degree. Um, I have stories <laughs> that I won't share, but they're scary. Um, so every painting is prophetic. And some are like, oh, this is crazy. So I think that's Jesus holding the cup of blood. So I will tell you right up front, we're praying for an interpretation. Okay, and I'm serious, I'm serious, I'm absolutely serious. So if, if there may be a whole bunch of interpretations, I mean, I, th I think that's Jesus, I tried to paint a white horse. I mean, come on, <laughs> six horses in three minutes, that, or whatever, five horses in seven minutes, that's, that's a, yeah, that's scary anyway. So, uh, but I think it's, it's something. So that Jesus rides with us, that's part of the interpretation. We, we do go to war at times. We, do, we are engaged in battle, but we're never engaged in battle alone. Jesus is always right there with us. We usually, amen, we usually picture him out in front, don't we? But in this case, it was Jesus, no. Said, I, I, I'm, so I'm giving you the interpretation, evidently, right? But I invite yours. And Jesus said, no, I'm right there with you. And of course, he's not holding a sword. He's holding the blood of the covenant. So, I, but I invite, we invite more. Send, them, send, send on your comments or wherever your internet interfaces thank you okay so a little bit about up there yes uh luke and i uh painted for 10 months um i think i have about a thousand hours this this is kind of funny um congratulations you are the biggest art project of my life <laughs> which is really funny because i've made a career of not working for churches <laughs> I mean, as an artist, because <laughs> I have to pay my bills. <laughs> I bless your ministry, but I got, I got a mortgage to pay. So I've I assiduously, happily avoided working for churches. <laughs> you have been very good to us. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. It's been an honor to paint. And, um, and I hope that you've walked through or will continue to walk through. I hope that when you are... Looking at the artwork, first of all, I hope your jaw drops open. I hope your eyes get big, and I hope you feel like, wow, I'm feeling something. And I hope what you're feeling is the presence of the Lord. I will tell you that is our heart and our goal and our, our passion is not just to create party pictures, um, but to reflect the glory of the Lord. And we hope that you all and many, many, many thousands of people that will come through these doors in the decades to come will literally come face to face with the glory of the Lord. Now, that's a mystery. I can't explain that. I really can't, but I believe it's true. Uh, Bezalel was the first man in the Bible who was described as being filled with the Spirit. Exodus 36, I think. Bezalel and his associate Aholiab, filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? To create art for the tabernacle of Moses. They were the yeah, a whole, uh, both of them, Bezalel and Holiab, were gifted, filled with the Spirit, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and skill to do the work. And I, I, to some degree, I believe that the Lord has given me some of that anointing. Uh, but uh, God's in favor of artists creating beautiful things. In fact, um, I'm trying to think of, uh, if I want to turn in the Old Testament somewhere. Hang on just a second. I am not short of words. 
ask my wife. <laughs> They're all just piled up at the gate, ready to come out. And, <laughs> and then we'll pause for a second and say, okay, Holy Spirit, make the word, right words come out in the right order. Anybody here want to hear a word? You don't need to hear from me. I'm allergic to f- listening to preachers, personally, but no offense, Pastor Micah. I, I don't want to hear a preacher. I do not want to hear a preacher or teacher. I want to hear a Holy Spirit. Will you with me? Say, I want to hear the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I, I, I don't even want to hear myself talk. I honestly don't. So, um, Speaking of the beauty and glory, I did a, a real cursory word study. That sounds pretty preacherly. That means I picked up an old-fashioned paper. Can you believe I have a paper book? <laughs> Not on my phone. Uh, an old-fashioned uh, uh, what do you call it? It has all the concordance. <laughs> I picked up a concordance this week and checked it out. And, and my hunch was true. In the Old Testament, there's about five words that are translated glory in our English Old Testament. There are about five different Hebrew words that are translated glory, give or take. I, Micah already has the homework to go back and check and see if I'm right about this. And just a real cursory, casual study, flipping through the concordance, looking. At least three of those words, and I'm sure about this part, at least three, and I, I had them written down, but I won't even bother you with the Hebrew words. <laughs> you wouldn't remember, and that's all right. I would, I'd just be showing off that I could say a Hebrew word. <laughs> we don't need any showing off around here. Um, three of those words are sometimes translated beauty. So in the Hebrew language, there's an overlap between the concept of glory and the glory of the Lord in particular and the beauty of the Lord. So I I find that quite interesting. Uh, As an artist, I readily confess that I'm trying to paint the glory of the Lord. Luke and I were trying to reflect and manifest the glory of the Lord by painting these walls. And uh, we hope that people will in fact experience the glory, beauty, presence of the Lord when they look at them. Uh, that concept of glory, beauty, glory, beauty spills over from the Hebrew into the Greek in the New Testament, of course, because almost all the writers of the New Testament were Hebrew Christians, who, you know, they spoke Hebrew. And uh, so the, those concepts, they were well-schooled well in, the, in the Hebrew literature. And so when Paul, like I'll turn to Paul's, if you have your Bible or your phone, <laughs> uh, turn to Second uh, Corinthians chapter three. This is Paul's glory chapter. I wish we could take a long time to study the whole thing. Basically, he starts out by saying, "Listen, the the glory of the old covenant was so dazzling that it made Moses' face glow. In fact, he put." a handkerchief in front of his face so that the Israelites wouldn't say, see that his glow was fading. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Anybody relate to that? <laughs> you got the glory of the Lord on you, boy, you're just going, and then you go home. <laughs> and, and, and we pray that our glory doesn't fade when we go home, right? Hi, <laughs> wife, I haven't gotten a handkerchief in front of my face, so you can't see I'm grumpy today. <laughs> 
So Paul talks about that glory. He said, but if, if, that, if the old covenant came with so much glory that even made Moses say so, how much more will the new covenant in Christ's blood be dazzling? See, it's kind of like sunspots. You remember, you've heard about sunspots, right? You've seen pictures of them where there are dark spots on the sun, but you all know there's no dark spots on the sun. It's just that those, those little bits are still blindingly brilliant, but they're less blindingly brilliant than all the area around it. So it comes out as dark spots, right? That's kind of what Paul is saying here is the Old Testament glory was like, whoa, blinding, but it pales in comparison to the glory of the beauty of the new covenant and what Jesus has done in this era. In fact, he calls it, verse seven, (laughs) this is funny. He says, but if the ministry of death... (laughs) This, this, this guy, he's a Pharisee among Pharisees. He's calling his religion, his Jewish religion, he's calling it the ministry of death. Ooh, woo. If it came in letters engraved on stones with glory, beauty, glory, beauty. So every time you read the word glory, now you can kind of substitute, not substitute, but add on top of it the word beauty, and you get a little bit more full orb picture of what's going on there came with glory so that the sons of Israel couldn't, couldn't look at Moses. How shall the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? Mm-mm-mm. Well, let's, I, I, like I said, I'd like to do the whole thing, but let's not. Let's skip down to verse 15, 16, 17. Let's, for Jesus, uh, Paul says, now the Lord, and many times when Paul says the Lord, that's his nickname, his favorite name for Jesus. Okay, so he's not talking about, most of the time, he's not talking about, you know, God. He's talking about who he calls the Lord, Jesus. So verse 17. Now the Jesus is the Spirit. That's what he's saying right there. Jesus, this Holy Spirit that y'all know, he's saying to the Corinthians, and I would say to y'all, that Holy Spirit that you know, that is the Spirit of Jesus. And wherever the Spirit of Jesus is, there's what? Woohoo! Liberty, freedom. Anybody here need more freedom? Yeah, we all do. We all do. We're all getting more and more and more free, right? Just a nod and say, yes, yes, Pastor Dan, we're getting more and more free. That's right, but we want to get even more free, right? More free. So here, Paul's going to give us the secret. How do you do that? Verse 18, he says, but so, you could also translate it. So we, all of us, all of y'all, all of us, with uncovered, unveiled, unhidden, no artificial cover-up face, beholding, it's kind of like looking in a mirror, he says, kind of like looking in a mirror and looking and seeing the glory, beauty of Jesus. Are you with me? He's saying, stare at Jesus the way you stare at a mirror. And as you do this, we all are being transformed into the very image we're staring at. And then he says, glory to glory, beauty to be. Anybody <laughs> Anybody here want to be more beautiful? <laughs> my wife and I, by the way, we're, we're my age. <laughs> She's a little younger. We have discovered the secret to beauty. Do you know what it is? Be born 40 years later. (laughs) All you young people, y'all beautiful. (laughs) Enjoy it. No, (laughs) I'm not sure that was anointed. (laughs) 
But is, is there anybody that here wouldn't like to be more beautiful in the spirit? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And you know, I, I, I mean, just to think about it, I apologize to my wife. Oh, Nancy, I wish I was beautiful all the time. Now she would, you know, I'm, how, how, I'm good most of the time, right, baby? You know, getting two thumbs up. <laughs> she might be lying. We're in church after all. What could she say? <laughs> no, we have a very happy marriage. And we, you know, we, most of the time we glory on each other. We really do. But you know, the, don't you? I have my moments. I won't say anything about hers. But I have my moments. And oh, I, I'd love to be done with my moments. I just, I would like to be beautiful all the time. Would you like to be beautiful all the time? Okay, Paul says, here's the secret. Gaze, 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 gaze. With unveiled face, that means no hypocrisy, no fakery, no, no putting up a front, no put, not, not trying to be anything, just pure, naked, bare face at Jesus. Gaze, gaze, gaze at Jesus. We're going to talk about that. What does that, what does that mean? What does that mean? Because here's one thing he's not saying. I'm convinced He's not saying, think about Jesus. Think. Plug in your brain and analyze the text and think really hard. Now, let me, taking off the mockery tone, now for, to my wife's relief. <laughs> Nothing wrong with thinking, right? We, we are in favor of thinking. We're in favor. In fact, most of us would like more good thinking in the world when we... Nothing wrong with thinking. God gave you a mind. We're supposed to use it, right? So yay for minds. But the mind is not the boss. How many of you figured this out? If your mind, your intellect, your rationalistic capacity for manipulating thoughts, your airtight logic, if your mind is the boss of your life, you be a mess. A grumpy, logical mess. Okay, so we don't want our mind. In fact, we don't want our soul, mind, will, emotions, creativity, intuition, imagination. We don't want our soul to be the boss of our life. We want to what? What do we want to do? We want to push, subjugate our soul to what? You know, our spirit. The part of you that came to life when you yielded your life to Jesus Christ. I, I can't even describe the, that, that mystery. I don't know how that happens. So I just know that it happens. Happened to me, happened to everybody here that's given their life to Christ. Your spirit came to life. And now that you're a new person, this is why unbelievers have such a hard time. You ever notice this? I don't know. Unbelievers can't wrap their mind around us. <laughs> so they use the word religion, right? And we all kind of go... No, it's not, it's not anything. But literally, if they're, if they're still kind of acting in rebellion against Jesus, their spirit's dead. So they're dead people trying to understand live people. <laughs> Good luck with that, right? So I'm telling myself, just don't take, you know, don't, don't take it personally. <laughs> they're dead and they can't, they can't understand live people. So when you became alive in Christ, your spirit, which by the way, never sins, ha, your soul can sin to beat the band, but your soul, your spirit is pure, perfect, holy, in the presence of God all the time. Anybody want to live there? <laughs> so you want, we want our spirit training. We're all in training. By the way, y'all in training. Do you know that? <laughs> Give me 50 push-ups, you know, says the drill instructor, you know. We're in training. 
We're in spiritual training. We're learning how to make our spirit the master over our soul. Because our soul, hmm, lots of, lots of problems. Now, here's the funny part. Does Jesus love your soul? Ooh, he does. In fact, this Bible verse is coming. Yeah, Jesus loves your soul. But it's still not supposed to be your boss. Your spirit's supposed to be in charge over your soul. All right, so um, Paul in this verse says, he says, you want to be beautiful? Want to have glory on you? Glory on you? Gaze at Jesus. He doesn't say, think, 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 think with your thinky smart brain. Analyze. Get logical, rational. Analyze Jesus. No, no, no. He says, gaze, look, gaze, look. Hmm. Another verse comes to mind, Ephesians chapter 1. Turn in your phones. <laughs> if you have a paper Bible here this morning, make a noise with it. <laughs> right? Four. We got four. We got four Bibles and fives. Bibles in the house. <laughs> Don't worry. If I wasn't preaching this morning, I'd be sitting there with my, with my phone Bible, just like you, probably, Maybe. You can check, Mike, and when I come back to listen to you preach, you can see if I brought my paper Bible. Anyway, okay, Ephesians chapter 1. Same guy, Paul, Apostle Paul, talking by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So that you can know what is the hope of his calling, the riches of his glory. There's that word again. Glory, glory, beauty, glory, beauty of his inheritance and what's the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe, etc., etc., etc. But I want to zero in on the, the phrase that he starts. I pray that the eyes of your heart. Okay, so in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3, he says, gaze. Kind of like looking in a mirror, he says. Kind of like looking in a mirror with an with a un fake face, gaze at Jesus. Here he says, open the eyes of your heart. Open the eyes of your heart. One of the things I'm trying to point out is there's a function that we use to relate to God, Father, Son, Spirit, that's different from thinking. It's okay, it's very much okay to think about God. But there's another way to relate to God, and that is to gaze, to use the eyes of your heart. Well, Let's, let's go on a little bit further. More, more Bible page noises. I'm supplying the noises for your phones that don't make any noise. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. Same Apostle Paul. He says, if then... You've been raised up with Christ. And by the way, he's talk, he knows he's talking to Christians. So he's not saying, well, you guys, if. No, he's saying since. He's really saying since. Uh, since you have been raised up with Christ, he would say the same thing to you this morning. Paul would, to your, this congregation. Since you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind. So there he does use the word mind. But he says, set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Woo. You are supposed to have your mind in heaven. All the time. <laughs> well, how are you getting anything done? Well, it turns out you can have your mind in two places. You do it all the time. 
<laughs> Don't give me that look. <laughs> Your mind is somewhere else right now. You're thinking about lunch. You're thinking about how long is this guy going to talk. You're thinking about why did I come this morning. <laughs> we do it all the time. Our mind is in multiple places at one time. One of those places is supposed to be heaven. And not just heaven, but where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. That's quite a bit of detail when you think about it. So just take one second just right now. Picture heaven, okay. Jesus, Jesus in heaven, you with me? Sitting on what? On a throne, where? At the right hand of the Father. Well, there's four or five different details, one right after another. And Paul says, set your mind on that. Set your mind on it, because that's where you really are. I'm going to go to um, Galatians, Galatians, right before Ephesians, Galatians chapter 3. More Bible noises. <laughs> Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to show you something that is just, just my jaw drops every time I read this. <laughs> Galatians. So, by the way, he's writing to the Galatians. Another word for these people are the Gauls. Galatians. Now, history is one of my hobbies. I just enjoy it. I listen to a lot of history. I don't have to take tests, thank God. <laughs> so whether I'm any good at it or not is open to question, but it's one of my hobbies. I love it. And not too many months ago, I was listening to, again, another history of the Roman Empire, and um, they, we came in the history to this story of the Gauls. The Gauls, listen to this, ransacked the city of Rome. Now, I forget the year, but it was like 200 BC. Breached the walls, burned the place down, killed the men, rape, murder, pillage. You got the picture? The Gauls. <laughs> so when the Gauls do that to your hometown, it tends to leave an impression. <laughs> so the Romans didn't really like Gauls. It's like, no, we like Gauls way over there. Way over there. We don't like golf coming our direction at all. But guess what? When Paul is so full of gall. I should plan these jokes more carefully. Paul is so, is so full of the Holy Spirit. When he goes traipsing off across the Roman Empire to share the gospel with people... He shares it with the Gauls, <laughs> and he's a citizen of Rome. It's a wonder they didn't spear him through. It's like, we don't like people like you. Do you get the picture? So the Gauls, you don't mess with the Gauls. You don't mess with the Gauls. That was, that was a saying in the city of Rome. I'm making that part up. You don't mess with the Gauls. <laughs> and Paul goes and evangelizes them, goes home. Then he gets word that... In some ways, they're not doing too good. Religion got on them. He led them to Jesus. He led them to Jesus. They accepted, Gauls accepted Jesus. That ought to put some, that ought to put some joy in your missionary heart. If the Gauls can accept Jesus, listen, anybody can accept Jesus. But then some religious people came in and said, well, you know, Paul, he gave you some good stuff, but we got better stuff. You got to dress up this way, and you got to do this on Monday, this on Tuesday, this on Wednesday, and you got to eat this kind of food. Does it sound familiar? Do you know what religion they were of? All right. You, you got it. And Paul was upset. So this, this kills me. He, he writes him a letter. And in the beginning of chapter, and I'm going to paraphrase slightly just to get the point across. Beginning of chapter three, he says, 
you stupid galls. <laughs> here's, this little, here's this little pencil-necked theologian, <laughs> Paul, insulting the Galatians. <laughs> now, my Bible says, you foolish Galatians. But, you know, we, the translators kind of dial everything down a little bit, you know, so you don't get, so you don't get upset. <laughs> he said, you stupid galls. <laughs> All of that had nothing to do with anything. I just thought it was fun. Now, now we're coming to the part. Now we're coming to the part that ha- that's important. He says, "You foolish Galatians, listen to this. Who has bewitched you? Who's cast a spell on you?" Is actually a better translation. Who's cast a spell on you? You before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. And then he goes on to say, "You." saw Jesus crucified, how is it that you've turned away from that so quickly? Now, I want you to think about something. I already described the Gauls. Do you know how I looked this up? Paul is from Judea, Jerusalem, the focal point of his world, right, Jerusalem? Galatia is 700 miles from Jerusalem. That's like from here to Chicago on an old leaky wooden boat, on a horse, a mule, and on foot. That's how much distance is between the Gauls and Jerusalem. But when Paul went, leaky boat, horse, mule, and on foot, when he went to the Galatians, he portrayed for them Jesus dying on the cross. Now, when he told them the story of Jesus dying on the cross, what happened inside their minds? What happened on the screen of their minds? What did they see? What did they see when he described Jesus nailed, two thieves, crowned? They saw the picture of Jesus being crucified. Are you with me? I, mean, I, I, I threw you a little loop there. Is he being tricky? No, no, no. They saw the picture, the video, the movie of Jesus being crucified. You with me? And Paul says, <laughs> he has so much gall, he says, you stupid Gauls, you saw Jesus crucified. Are you, do you hear what he's, what he's saying here? He says, you saw Jesus crucified. And you, now, you, you go, no, they didn't. They were 700 miles, leaky boat, horse, mule, walking. They were 700 miles from Jerusalem. There was no Gauls in Jerusalem. Are you with me? What Paul is saying here, he says, the spirit of revelation, I pray that the eyes of your heart, he's saying that the eyes of your heart are so important. In fact, the eyes of your heart are so reliable that I can point to you Galatians and say, you've messed up because you saw Jesus crucified. That's how much credit, how much stock, how much weight God, uh, uh, Paul, God, Drew Paul, Paul put on the eyes of your heart. And I'm going to jump to the point real quick because I'm almost out of time. About a year and a half ago, I went through the most dramatic change uh, spiritually. I've been a Christian since I was five. Nancy had been a Christian since she was, 60, since she was three. So that's like 63 years. So we, between us, we've been Christians for 126 years. It's, that's pretty good. And uh, the, the, the first, I went through, I've been through many 
dramatic. One of the greatest was the baptism of the Holy Spirit and released to speak in tongues 24 years ago. So I was, think, do the math, I was a full-grown you know, middle-aged guy when that happened. And it was dramatic, glorious, and bloody. It was, you know, you'd never seen a guy that was more thoroughly baptized in the Holy Spirit than I was. And I was Baptist, so I don't even like that language. <laughs> I went from my life's verse was, do all speak in tongues? No! <laughs> to, I speak in tongues more than all of y'all. And that, that's, that's been my testimony. But in the last year and a half, I've had the next biggest conversion dramatic turn I've had in my life where the Holy Spirit smacked me and whacked me and so on lovingly the way he does, the way only he can. Said, no, 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 stop dissing your imagination. Stop dissing the eyes of your heart. I gave you those so you can see me. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit said to me repeatedly, I gave you that imagination so you and I can commune together. Are you hearing this? By the way, and I'm, I'm saying some heavy stuff this morning. I only have, part of the reason I have the confidence to say this, because God is pouring out this revelation on the body of Christ around the world right now. God gives you pictures in your mind. Now, if you're like me, you go, oh, no, that's just me making stuff up. That's just, you know, flights of fancy. I'm, you know, I've used my imagination for bad stuff. Yes, you have. <laughs> Repent, that's done. <laughs> right? I'm sorry, God, she said good enough. <laughs> We're done with that. He said, start trusting those pictures that I'm giving you because it's me. It took me months to really get that message. It really did. Months, Nancy can tell you. But once I got it, that's one thing about me. Once I get the memo, <laughs> I am all in. So I've just had a glorious time. And I'm just going to leave it with just real simple. God gave you an imagination. Call it the eyes of the spirit or the eyes of your heart, whatever you want, or like the Galatians, saw Jesus crucified. And Paul held them to that vision so strongly that he could say, you stupid Galatians, you saw Jesus crucified. And they go, oh, we did. Do you understand? Otherwise, his argument is silly. It's not silly. That's how much Paul knew that the vision that they had of Jesus dying was enough to keep them close to Jesus. I'll give you one real, real, real simple way to do this. No, let, let me back up. Let me back up. So I, wanna, I just want to stay there for a minute. I want to say to you, I believe from the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit wants to say to you right now, it's time to start using your imagination, full tilt, full throttle, pedal to the metal. Trust me, trust me, trust me. Because I, we want to see Jesus' face. Do you want to see Jesus' face? Give me a little wave. <laughs> you don't have to wave at me. I want you to wave at God. Say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I want to see your face. How's that going to happen? Now, Jesus could come and show up in your bedroom. I'm always hoping he will do that for me. It hasn't happened yet. But I've seen Jesus thousands of times with the eyes of my heart. Does that sound good? The more I gaze, 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 stare, stare, stare at Jesus, the more his glory, his beauty comes on me. Nancy likes it when I do that because I'm a better husband, right? I'm a better friend. I'm better everything when I act more like Jesus. <laughs> you take all the parts of this morning that I wasn't acting like Jesus. Take them out. This is a great sermon. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Close your eyes. Say in your heart, in your heart, in your heart. Say, yeah, Holy Spirit. Wow, that sounds good. That sounds fun. I would like to do that. 
I want to see you better. I want to see you more. I'm going to start trusting my imagination. I'm going to start trusting that it's you giving me the eyes of my heart, the eyes of my spirit, so that I can see you. I do want to see your face, Jesus. Okay. Maybe just a couple more things before I, before I go. I've been really, as Christians go, probably pretty good for several decades since that dramatic baptism of the Holy Spirit 24 years ago. I've been pretty good at hearing the voice of God. I mean, I hear it and I write it down. I write down what he says. Literally thousands of pages of journals of God speaking. That messes up some people. We got kicked out of one church for that. (laughs) But I've been pretty good. (laughs) I've been pretty good at hearing the voice of God. In the last year and a half, it's been taken to a whole nother world. Or instead of me hearing the voice of Jesus, I'm walking with Jesus. He's right here. He's standing beside me. He'll poke. He'll slap. He'll wink. He'll laugh. He'll cry. I can smell him, hear him, feel him with the eyes of my heart, with the eyes of my spirit. And it's been glorious, glorious. If you wonder where to start, one of the places you could start would be just by reading the Gospels. This would just print on the page, right, where Jesus says something. Read one verse where Jesus said that and close your Bible and close your eyes and say, okay, Holy Spirit, let me see Jesus' face when he was saying that right there. Let me see what he looked like when he said that. Start there. Then you can start taking trips into the universe and the cosmos and heaven on all that kind of stuff that I have been doing too. It's been fun. So I bless you this morning. If you want to receive a blessing, put your hands up. Say, I receive this blessing. Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, I bless these people to have the eyes of their hearts, the eyes of their spirits, supercharged, super opened, so that you and they can commune face to face, so that they can see Jesus like never before and become more and more glorious and beautiful like him. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Pastor Mike.